0: you're listening to the Unsung Podcast. I am your host Mark Fraser and this week I'm joined by Kiss, by Chris <laughs> Kosek. Kiss. <laughs> kiss Everyone should kiss Kosek.
1: I think we've established in the past that you'd not be happy if Kiss were joining you on the podcast. No, no. Um, yeah and this week the man to my left is just Mark. It's just me. Because uh, David is not here. Well it's a slight change of plan. Um, as anyone that's been watching the news might be aware Scott Hutchison of the band Frightened Rabbit sadly uh, took his own life on the 10th of May. Uh, Scott was a really important part of the Glasgow music scene and also someone that uh, both myself and David knew. Uh, David knew him really quite well. Uh, so David's away attending to sort of family and friends just now. Um, things have been a little bit strange in the city since it happened. Uh, so we decided we'd just, we didn't want to miss a deadline but we thought we'd put something together that was a little bit different uh while David's out of the picture. So yeah, expect fewer laughs. Um we don't have that all nice accent. Don't oh. have that those dulcet tones. Yeah, and nobody'll say, oh when I was in high school my band played this song. What we've decided to do, um we'll probably the show we'll probably change the order of the shows for the next couple of weeks actually, I think uh but this week, on the hoof as we are, as you can <laughs> probably tell, we're gonna have a little look at uh, a couple of of unsung records from Scotland which is something we've kind of been talking about doing anyway and this uh, this week we're going to look at uh, Dundee which is on the east coast of Scotland for those out with, for those Sri Lankan and Pakistani <laughs> listeners that we have apparently
0: Jordanians and Russians, all those guys Did we get a Jordanian? Yeah oh, It's brilliant Chicken Why? <laughs> All my
1: boxes here <laughs> 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 Moving on So uh, Dundee Dundee fine City on the East Coast it used to be I think the heroine capital of the UK. That was one of the punk capitals of the UK. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll definitely get to that. Dundee's actually got a fantastic history with music. And Sunday newspaper cartoons. Yep, Bino, Dundee, Urwilly, the Bruns. The Bruns, yeah. For anyone outside of Scotland, whenever you bought uh uh an annual of Urwilly, uh, which was something you gave to your dad, it's just kind of vaguely funny cartoon that was just sort of very Scottish and you know um, but on the front it had this little motif at the thing at the bottom that said Urwilly, willy your willy Abadie's willy and Abadie meant you know everybody and that's that's kind of local dialect but when you read it as a kid it just said Urwilly, willy willy a body's willy <laughs>
0: I always remember being perplexed by that when I got the annual <laughs> just, for years I was like
1: what just, Scotland was just full of generations of children kind of looking around confusedly going should I ask because <laughs> it's like you feel like you should know because you're Scottish but you don't and it's like I, who did I talk to about this our bodies were like this is remarkably edgy comedy <laughs> for a comic strip that's otherwise not very funny and I also had someone in it called Fat Bob mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fat Bob was was he was he really his best friend or was he a bully no, I think Fat Bob was his mate. Aye. We had wee Eck and Fat Bob. Anyway, Aye. so these are all very Scottish things, and these all come from Dundee. Another thing that came from Dundee was a whole series of really good bands. Um, some more famous, um, the band Snow Patrol. <laughs>
0: They came from, they were were formed in
1: Dundee. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're actually. Extensively Irish people. Yeah, Dundee's actually got a a long tradition of uh, Irish immigration and families setting up there, and it's got a university. And Snow Patrol came together up there and were kind of half regarded as a Scottish band for a while. And Snow Patrol actually had a lot uh, of involvement with one of the bands we'll talk about today. Another fantastic export from Dundee was The View. Oh yeah. That denim soaked riot, of, riot like, of a band of
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: they like get denied entry to the US once for having cocoa on them?
1: Uh, I don't know, but I wish we'd then denied them re-entry back into the UK and we could just have uh, batted them back and forward like a little blue cotton tennis ball in perpetuity.
0: Oh my God, I've really, got no time for... They're like the worst kind of landfill Libertines rip-off you could imagine.
1: So, Dundee actually had a really healthy music scene uh, when my own band... Apart from those two bands. <laughs> apart from those bands. When my own band were kind of coming up through the ranks and doing stuff in Scotland, it was really well known for... like. Post hardcore at that time. I mean, it's 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 got a lot of, a lot of things going further back, but just in terms of contemporary history and more alternative music, it had a really really strong scene for these uh, alternative acts, and still does to some extent. Uh, but what what happened was in the view got signed, there seemed to be an influx of agents and label attention that led to the promoters and programmers sort of somewhat altering their priorities in terms of booking and then combined with the loss of a couple of really key venues that there was a place called the westport bar that was iconic for people growing up even in central scotland you would you would make the trip up there to see some bands because the venue was so good the westport bar um came down and they moved it to the new westport which was not far away and also a really good venue but these various venues all change hands and dundee had the the usual problem. Something that's also been the case in Edinburgh, where people move into an area and then complain about the noise and complain about the people hanging outside, and then the venues end up getting penalised for this and the venues suffer. So Dundee's had its kind of fair share of misfortune in the last, you know, ten years, especially trying to keep things going. And it was a hard place, like it was, it was a tough place. It was um, very working class. Dundee, along with Glasgow, the two major cities, to vote uh, independence Mm -hmm. in the Scottish referendum. Yeah, and has a long long history of, of being quite innovative so around about that time there was this uh, I mean at, at one point I think there were about 10 or 12 really quite consistent and strong post-hardcore alternative rock kind of bands mm-hmm. uh, including uh, not exclusively but especially bands like Mercury Switch who actually had a little bit of success uh, got an NME Andy McGarry from Mercury Switch started the label Pet Parana mm-hmm. there was uh, Venetian Love Triangle one Inch Volcano, and these bands kind of had the thing for off-kilter, post-hardcore, kind of strange timings, lots of Fagazzi influences, lots of bits and bobs of everything from like Juno 44 to Shellac to McCluskey, when McCluskey were starting to come through. There was a slightly more hardcore stuff like Kaddish. I think then I'm not sure what the crossover is With bands like Avast But Avast Avast are excellent um, the, uh, Like Avast Had some affiliation with Stapleton The mm. Glaswegian Yeah Kind sort of post-hardcore Slightly emo-y band Um, so there's a lot of, like, cross-pollination between these different scenes, there's some really heavy bands, there's a guy up there called Owen McLaughlin who's always been on the scene, yeah. he's part of that uh, Rusty Hip collective, mm-hmm. um, along with some other quite uh, well-known faces. his own solo stuff as well, I think, under Please Believe. Yeah, uh, Owen has uh, gone wishing, and he's got yeah. Please Believe, taking its name from a Silver Mount Zion lyric, I think, uh, he used to be in a, a band called Boss Koala, that I'm sure he <laughs> probably wants to forget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, aside from that, there were a few others kicking about. There was Findel Gask as well, yeah. which was named after a really odd uh, town that you, you would drive past yeah, and go up there. Uh-huh.
0: I, I think remember that. That, driving over there for gigs, man, and you will see It's like, yeah, yeah. I want to go there. I don't think it's a town. I think it's, just like a, I think it's just like a really small hamlet.
1: Hamlet was yeah. the word I thought you were going to go yeah. for there. I think on the other side of Dundee as well, I seem to remember once you passed Dundee and started going to Aberdeen, there was a place called Temple of Fiddies. Yeah. Temple of Fiddies! Which is <laughs> <laughs> so incongruous in the, like, the Scottish East Coast countryside. This place that should have been on Crete.
0: There's a whole bunch of people from the Make That I Take Collective who've been in bands around about the area. So, um, you know, Derek Derek Johnson, who... Dekker. Dekker. Yeah, is yes. like, he's part of the collective. Some may say he's a mouthpiece of the collective, some may say he's a brain behind the collective, but he's one of many, and I've met the many. They're all cool people. But he was in Uniforms and Joy Terrifying and Tragical History Tour, which is, he just released his first album. for then, they've all helped other bands that are great, like La Chance and get together all the kind of sort of central scotland melodic hardcore and hardcore punk stuff i've got a lot of time for all those bands and pretty much most bands out of dundee as well i think of there's always a really positive vibe when you're at shows there which is quite different from glasgow i find the music is just always top level like far and away per capita of bands in that area i think there's more great ones than there are bad ones which can which is rare for a city which has so many bands and so many venues
1: yeah I mean it's it's remarkably fertile ground for, for good bands. Uh, I remember when our own band was playing and even though we were much closer to Glasgow and Glasgow was the place in Scotland that you went to play gigs, Dundee was the best town for us to play by some way. The mm. attendances were good, the enthusiasm of the crowds was notably better than almost everywhere else and there was a real sense of investment by the people in supporting their scene. I think they still are Quite vocal about that In terms of like Recognising their own And each other's Responsibilities To ensure the health Of their own scene Because they've been through Some fairly dry times Mm -hmm. And they've been through Some adversity Especially like For example When The View broke through And the the alternative bands Really got shunted And so they've They they really seem to appreciate And devote their energies To maintaining the, The health of their scene and also going to Dundee to see certain bands, as you say, you would you'd experience an atmosphere often that you didn't get elsewhere. I remember seeing Converge in the reading rooms mm. in Dundee. That was a that was a pretty special show. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember playing with Marmagic Duke. Ah, okay. Marmagic Duke. The Biffy Clyro Are You and your good pal Simon, Neil. Sicil Perro collaboration. Me and Biffy, yeah, we were pretty tight So tight in fact that we weren't allowed backstage to eat our dinner <laughs> We were made to eat it at the bar Really? Where the bar manager shouting at us in a sold out venue that's, that's pretty bonkers, man <laughs> The best part was that the backstage there Was really just like a kind of cage With some see-through camouflage <laughs> thrown over it And you could clearly see backstage that there were not only empty seats But loads of young honeys cutting about with the guys in the band And we were like we're we're not allowed. We're not allowed to go and sit and eat some chips with the rock stars. No, all right. We'll just stand here at the bar with our three jackets on, <laughs> <laughs> and this man shouting at us.
0: <laughs> good times. Speaking of good vibes, uh, I, I did my first ever live podcast. By the way, have you heard that we're doing a live show soon? Are we doing a live we're show? Doing a live show soon.
1: Shit! Someone tell Dave.
0: It's going to be like when this comes out. It'll be like just over a week away.
1: It's scary, man. I'm not scared I'm scared of in. I mean it's scary that it's so soon it's gr- to be fair it's grunge yeah. I mean, I'll probably talk about it in my sleep anyway yeah
0: <laughs> but I did my first ever and only and today only um, ever live podcast show from our podcast there in December December 2017 when they did um, Book Your
1: Fest 10 Book Your Fest. yeah the annual Dundonian yeah. and punk and emo hardcore mm. alternative. Basically anything Punk festival. related is kind of there. It's a good event. Uh,
0: it's a great event if have you've have you ever been.
1: I've been to one show. It as was part
0: of it. phenomenal. And man. I've also
1: been to the the Book Your Rain Fest pre show thing. Yeah. as Yeah,
0: well. it was really great just to be in the space. It's just a bit. It was just a really good vibe. Really positive.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really cohesive atmosphere mm. up there. If I goth played there, who? Back off. Well, that brings us on to our next stage. Yeah. Of this uh, this uh, impromptu. <laughs> Clusterfuck. <laughs> Clusterfuck. <laughs> so, we decided to pick a record each from that kind of era and. Well, from lo- bands of that area. Locale, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously with the risk of some people taking the hump.
0: Well, there's, only, there's two bands, well, I just mentioned one of them, but there's two bands we haven't mentioned, but all of the other bands that we've mentioned, they're all phenomenal. Not we, all of them. <laughs> apart from the view and soap every other band are really, really good. Well. Um and Some of them are very, very good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Others and well, Yeah. Well I <laughs> will leave that up to your discretion <laughs> to allocate. But we thought it'd be good to kinda. If you want a, a really funny review, ask Owen McLaughlin what he thinks of those bands Because he's always forthcoming. <laughs> should we get him on the podcast Sunday? <laughs> Rated R.
0: Rated R. Um yeah, so we've picked two records, like Chris said, that are kinda similar and we would like to cover a lot of records from Dundee and do you know what this doesn't have to be the only part this could be one of multiple parts who knows depends yeah. <laughs> Depends how well this goes
1: down well I do think I, think I do think what we'll do is start to do the occasional episode on smaller albums mm-hmm. that we've either encountered on our travels or that have risen to prominence either here or in the UK generally maybe even parts of Europe um, yeah but this is our first opportunity to do so and give a wee platform of that although I don't know how much of a platform we're given to these guys because these guys are a lot bigger than our podcast yeah and Um, neither of the bands exist anymore (laughs) (laughs) but they exist in terms of art yeah and you can still Uh, listen to them and you'd be a fool not to you would be a fool not to so Mark do you want to go first
0: so I've picked the first ever Fat Goth release I heard properly and it's uh, (laughs) Studs is I believe their second album yeah,
1: it is their second album
0: and yeah I just love it I think it's all, all the guys can play like fuck uh, Mark's an amazing drummer Kev's a phenomenal bass player with a really good screaming voice and Fraser is a really witty guy your lyrics, good, good, really strange vocals. <laughs> this is your way of trying to say you can't play guitar. <laughs> and he's a fucking a great guitar player with a tone. There we go, Fraser. With tone for days. See, like, the awkward part is here. We know that Fraser quite often
1: listens to this. Yeah, so he's going to be—he's <laughs> probably going to be cringing right now. It's one of the few people <laughs> that actually get in touch with us. So, like Fat Goth, were actually one of the moderate success stories of the Scottish alternative yeah. rock and metal scene. Mm-hmm. The kind of biggest magazine in the UK for that kind of stuff is Kerrang. And Fat Goth. Uh, Became quite popular at yeah. Kerrang HQ. Mm-hmm. I think it was a couple of interviews. And then... Some really um, creepy photo shoots. Some really, really strange photo shoots. Which, which are think, awesome. Which I think ended up being illustrated and turned into the cover art on one of their albums as well. Yeah, I
0: think one of them was uh, was 100% suave. Yep, that's right.
1: Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they started off... It, 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 was, it was hard to really tell where Fraser and Mark were going with Fat Goth initially. So they'd, they'd played together uh, as part of that... Clutch of bands That we Mm. said earlier on There were a few missing That people might have noticed Early on There was a band called Yardstick Which Mm. is when I first met These guys And they were just Tiny at the time It was Mark and his brother Chris Mm. Chris looked a bit like Daniel Jones <laughs> If you added Daniel Jones to water To grow him into Daniel Jones Chris is just this Tiny guy With a great voice Man that must have been Such a long time ago I can't imagine What the photos looked like uh, But those guys Went on to form A band called Alamos And Alamos sort of Were quite in the vein Of McCluskey And Alamos actually Did really well I think they went Top 30 in Japan The record recorded by Robin Sutherland Who mm. recorded a lot of the bands From Dundee Robin who now lives in Scandinavia Was actually a big part Of the strength of that scene Because he was Taking these Young bands Robin was young himself But Robin Was able to kind of Capture these bands Really well And give them the recording That they needed uh, Which was something Like it or not That was missing mm. uh, In a lot of other scenes You know with Good bands With good songs making crap records yeah uh, so robin actually has had a big part to play in that as did um the guys at seagate studios and a sound engineer as well called Stuart that used to work at the westport who was by far the best engineer that we had any experience working with after alamos and their top 30 thing they actually recorded a an album with steve albini mm-hmm. the songs are really good and albini you know is typically hands-off i think robin's treatment of their first mm-hmm. album was far more complimentary than Albini's it definitely was interesting it had a lot of character but the, the tunes weren't allowed to breathe as much I don't necessarily I think Steve Albini's best albums are probably better than most other people's best albums almost anybody's else's best albums that's probably fair yeah um, but I do think his name is not a stick on seal mm. of guaranteed quality and that's think, for a lot of people though I think Maybe maybe it's a budget thing, mm. I mean certainly for smaller bands that go out there and work with them And there's been quite a few from Scotland It was, yeah, quite, was, mm-hmm. it was quite fashionable for a while to try and go and record with Steve Albini, And Senator did it, I actually think Senators was one of the most successful mm. Albeit the band fell apart soon after Um, obviously, Alamos, there was uh, Post-Diluvian, a band from Edinburgh, who did a really good EP with them, um, and there's been a couple from Glasgow as well. Womps for one of them. Womps did mm-hmm. one. Like, How did you? How successful was their time with them, do you feel?
0: I like the sound of that record. Yeah, I would probably put in some of his better work. It's interesting because you see that he only records what's there, and... I suppose that's one of the good things about if, you're, if you've if you got the good songs and you're the tight band and you work well, then it's, if you get the magic right, then it's going to capture, like, probably you, I don't know if at your best is the best way to describe it, but definitely perhaps at your most dynamic as a performer and a player, even if the music itself isn't dynamic, if that makes sense.
1: Possibly, yeah. He seems to be good at capturing live aggression. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of reliance on the room, isn't there? There's a lot yeah. of reliance on the, the, the natural performance and the acoustics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think he can definitely vary in terms of how successful it is. And Alamos, for me, it's a good record. It could have been a great record. And I think it could have followed on from their second album. I don't know, if things had just played out a bit differently. But as it was, um so from Alamos... Fritz Fraser Mm -hmm. uh, From Fat Goth Went on to do A project called Perineum Mm -hmm. (laughs) Perineum 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 Perineum. Mm -hmm. We can just say this all night We just keep repeating this one And he (laughs) also had He also (laughs) Bars (laughs) The (laughs) Scottish version (laughs) Perineum Yeah Balls and arse For those outside uh, the country And he also had the project called Thews T-H-E-W-S Which I think was the in some ways the precursor to this, Mm -hmm. because Thews was a little bit more metal, a little bit more proggy. There were kind of proggy undertones to some of the Dundee scene, so we get to the record that I chose as well, and that was a big part of that. There Mm -hmm. was a big influence and a love of quite classic metal and stuff like Megadeth and Iron Maiden Mm -hmm. and Thin Lizzy and things like that, as well as stuff like King Crimson. And it kind of started to appear in these bands' music. They took those post-hardcore elements from the, the start of the, the decade and then started to blend them with these slightly more complicated and sometimes slightly tongue-in-cheek mm. you know, aspects of metal. Um, but also, as they became better players, they were able to do that far more capably. Yeah. So they were kind of quite effortlessly blending these more challenging kind of post-hardcore dynamics with the, the instrumental skill of playing metal and the technique and the flair that came from being a player for a longer period of time mm. and it had some really interesting results there was a song by Thews uh, called Tayside Story that was particularly good and I think actually if if they'd they stuck around I think they could have become something quite quite successful But as it is, Fat Goth sprouted out of that Albeit the early Fat Goth stuff Was a lot more <laughs> tongue in cheek mm-hmm. um, Than Thu's. Uh I think the first album called Mindless Crap Yeah And it was hard to tell Like, what I, I, I don't even necessarily think that uh, Fritz thought that was going to be something That was going to be a long term project At that stage I think he maybe It was just a bunch of guys having fun mm-hmm. Had some pretty decent tunes in it Had a bit of a kind of Rockabilly surf vibe Plus some metal Mm -hmm. Plus some quite Twee Fun stuff They always had that Slight undertone of comedy
0: Mm -hmm. To it And sinisterness as well There's always that Deep vein of being You know Of something sinister happening
1: Predatory. Yeah,
0: predatory is probably the best word, yeah. <laughs> like
1: stud, yeah. the cover, which is some, like some kind of weird 1980s kind of Blackpool promenade card yeah. of some guy groping some bucks on women's butt.
0: Yeah, but it, it, it actually talks about the record, it sets the tone for the record quite well because there's a lot of speaking about, you know, that kind of thing, like dodgy guys standing around and like... Fucking diving in nightclubs, you know, all that kind of thing. And there's songs like that on it, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's it's, it's it's fun, but it's
1: also very dark. It is strange because as a band they had this really sincerely strong metal thing going on, mm-hmm. but then they sort of uh, interspersed it with these little bits of like kind of carry-on type creepy comedy. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and sometimes feel on surf as well, like
1: yeah, and absolutely. Uh-huh. The, when you listen to the way something it's played, it's also qu- quite reminiscent of the eighties Matchbox Beeline disaster, and yeah. that it's like surf rock or like Crampsy style mm-hmm. rock, but much heavier, much more yeah. overdriven. And sort of quite quite mm-hmm. nasty in tone That's why I like that's record That's why I like Stud quite a lot Yeah I mean I think I think it's uh, It's got their strongest individual songs in it um, I think as a band They got heavier with their next two albums And I preferred overall That they, they veered towards just more out and out riffage mm-hmm. um, But Stud has just some really really good bits of writing on it Right up until their recent last ever show mm-hmm. Those songs were still that you know right up there with the highlights of yeah. any of the sets I mean Fat Goth at their best could reflect Melvin's
0: oh yeah I mean when they are when they went for it they fucking went for it man
1: yeah I mean so the first track on <laughs> Stud Surf Down is towards the second half of it just pure Melvin's yeah and it's brilliant mm-hmm. at doing that Be lying No offence to anyone that's listening <laughs> If I didn't say I wish they'd done that more Because there's virtually no one I can think of Can actually do that mm. Other than the Melvins uh, Or maybe Big Business but that's cheating um, Can actually do that style As well as that right now mm. And I loved it when they did that Musically they had the ability They had the the writing instincts to do that And I kind of wish they'd thrown a little bit more of that in mm. um, And it was nicely offset By the speed of the, the kind of the surf rock vibe But that, that tune in particular I think that, that still remains Probably their best known Creepy Lounge Is the highlight for me
0: Yeah Because the, the way that goes towards the end as well The composition of pretty much all the songs Even, even some of the more kind of Tongue and cheek ones like yeah, like Pinball Moron and You'll Find Me in the Club, even compositionally, even though they're not as heavy. Or in the case of Pinball Moron, Moron not heavy at all. There's still a lot of songwriting now. there. You- No matter, what way they tend, they, no matter which direction they go on this album, it feels very thought out and deliberate and considered. And it does, this album does pull in a lot of different directions. And it's really interesting to to think that it's only like nine songs, I think. Nine songs on it. But it's 48 minutes long. like it is, It's a varied, very varied listen. I can see why, as soon as you get a PR company behind you, I can see why magazines would be really into that. Because the vibe is different from anything that's kind of going on, really. The production's phenomenal on it. It's sterling, really. The guitar tones, all the tones,
1: every tone, vocally, guitar-wise, <laughs> bass-wise, drum-wise, like, everything is just right where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean the Tone Kings they had some mm-hmm. really good equipment, yeah, like really nice stuff. I and mean, Kevin used the Rickenbacker bass as yeah. well, to really good effect.
0: And like Hillsborough head that Fraser used is just so metal.
1: I mean, scattered scattered in amongst the other releases, there are tracks that I think either nod to the better moments in this or preempt them. There was a, a song called Ishimura on Mindless Crap. Track six mm-hmm. on that album. It's really, really good. Oh, point this is before Kevin was in the band, but that that was the the first point When you kind of realised that they had that potential to be like a really strong rock band. Mm. Um and I'm glad they chose to kinda of explore that more. And I think Kevin coming on board, no disrespect to um can't remember the boy's first name, Mitchell. It was there before. Yeah. But Kevin's ability really made a big difference. And
0: he was matching Fraser's riffs like no for no, which is hard for a basis to do. Yeah, especially he, some of the riffs he's playing, which are
1: finger twisters, you know. And his, his sensibilities as well mm-hmm. pushed him in that metal direction. Yeah. That's always been something that seemed to It's
0: got vocals one of the songs as well. I think it's uh We film with Sean Delizy.
1: Yep, that, that's right.
0: Layer distortion on it it's just like sort of more kind of back in the mix just really sort of smashes through how aggressive that song is that's probably the most aggressive song on the record I think and it's is a fucking belter
1: there's uh, stuff in the albums that came after it as well 100% Suave the, the following record there's a track called Sin, Sin Altar Yeah That was a really really strong one Had a real mega death mm-hmm. vibe And again that seems to reflect Kevin's sensibilities Coming into that mix As well as I think the other guys were That was obviously in them Waiting to get articulated mm-hmm. But he really gave them The ability The opportunity And the encouragement To do that And likewise with Enorm Enorm uh, The fourth album mm-hmm. There's um, a track That was somewhat awkward Yeah Which <laughs> almost becomes ZZ Top <laughs> At one point <laughs> And it's a kind of harder album mm-hmm.
0: overall, definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: I think when I spoke to Fraser, when I interviewed him for our podcast, that was this, that was the main thing he said about it. It's like when it's coming to a the norm, they're really going for like that proper aggressive sound because a lot of the lyrics are a lot more political as well, more political than they've ever written in his career. That's, that's reflected in the music. Um, it's it's really it feels really weird to me to say that they're they haven't ever that like they're not direct. The the stuff, stuff's always been direct, but the the, the songs in a are norm are definitely much more in your face than. Anything on 100% Suave or studs or a mindless crap, for example.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and as I say, whilst I don't want to shit on their attempts to vary up their their set, but the slightly twee, funny stuff, uh, the stuff that was almost like Beatles-esque and it's mm-hmm. kind of whimsy. Fraser loves a bit of whimsy. Yeah, you know, he's he's a really pretty delightful guy, mm-hmm. and he he loves a kind of bit of light humour. I'm kind of glad that <laughs> I like that they did get a little bit more earnest with the later stuff, because I think it, it it was waiting to happen. It was, there was a need for a band to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a bit heavier. And I mean, it's really it's a shame that the, they've called it a day, but, you know, Mark's moving to the other side of the world, so the, unless he's got really long arms, <laughs> uh, he's not really going to be able to continue. But it was crying out for them to pursue mm-hmm. that, that line, I think. And it did come together really well in this album in particular.
0: It seems to me that, like a lot of bands from Dundee, Fat Goth we a band Who just had up You know that lightning in bottle as a bottle As a unit And that kind of ties in A little bit To the record that you picked Yeah I think
1: So I feel like Before I mentioned the record we, I picked We should just give One quick nod mm-hmm. To the fact that Mark the drummer from Fat Goth Had a really Alarming habit Of kind of Chittering His teeth while he was playing, he had the best. He had
0: the best <laughs> drum guns that, that any person has ever had playing drums. Have you not seen it? Just fucking just Google it or something. Go to your Facebook page. His face when he drums is just utter
1: delight. Yeah, we can't let we can't let that pass without we mentioning can't let that that. Pass, No, but yeah, as as you say, man. In terms in terms of that kind of bottled lightning effect, getting the right people mm-hmm. in the right place. So I've chosen the album Zwoa mm-hmm. uh, by Leto which is it, it means number two in in like. Swahili Or something <laughs> An African language And I can't remember
0: Which one it is okay. before, before we go into this We should probably just say Is that we both picked these albums Completely independently From each other We did not consult On this at all
1: Yeah so the fact That Kev Black Is a bass player yeah. In both bands Is a pure coincidence Maybe a boon To his ego Yeah <laughs> Maybe Maybe this will be What keeps him in music <laughs> Um. So Leto Were another band From the Dundee scene And really Leto Were one of the bands From that scene If not the band From that scene It's hard to know what to start with. They had three albums. They were quite uh, spread out given the, the the amount of time they spent as a band. Um, their first one was Make Is Mild in 2000. And they they really kind of came onto the scene as a post rock band. And I, can't, I mean post rock in the sort of like strictest sense of that, not, not in the Explosions in the Sky way, mm. but in the kind of Tortoise, Juno 44, The Four Carnation type fashion you know that Slint for example that that early album has big nods to Slint throughout Um, and they were early on Lato themselves were compared to Mogwai especially the earlier Mogwai stuff because their album was you know Mainly instrumental The music was minimalist But also at times quite maximalist Like, you know, not hugely complicated But sometimes very loud and very full on Mm. Um, And did really reflect a lot of things that were going on In the Scottish scene at that time as well the, the, There were quite a few bands kinda, There was a band called G-Plan in Glasgow Who were doing a sort of similar idea Leto's first sort of success Seemed to come from uh, Touring with World. When I World were starting to get a bit of traction mm. And Lato did a a series Of British shows with them, And were really good Really strong in those shows They then started Popping up on other bills I first saw Lato's Put in And it was that kind of Eclectic alternative music They were getting Grouped in with Because they were hard To pigeonhole Mm -hmm. You know because By the time they got To the album I've chosen They were doing stuff That was again A lot more influenced By metal Especially Mm -hmm. classic metal Not like metal As in like completely full on thrash but stuff like Thin Lizzy Mm. stuff like ZZ Top that was in there they weren't ashamed to wear those influences on their sleeves but then marry it with this kind of much more inventive much more esoteric early grounding they'd got in the post hardcore scene Mm. so that their time signatures were odd their arrangements were odd they were sometimes quite sprawling they would sometimes take a big riff and bring it right down till it was just this little kind of post rock jingle that was just sort of murmuring away but then blow it back up again into a song It was it was quite an unusual approach And so it was, whilst it was very distinctive There was also that risk A bit like in my, in my perspective of Fat Goth Where the people who were into metal Just really wanted Leo to play metal And the people who were really into post-rock Kind of wanted Leo to stop playing metal And hmm. do the post-rock But full credit to the band They decided that they were going to do something different There were a lot of bands doing both of those things at that time Especially the post-rock thing And they... Didn't see it. It would seem they didn't see them. What there was creatively rewarding and just following mm-hmm. that crowd. So the, the the result of that was war and it came out in two thousand and three on a, a wee label called Too Many Fireworks, which actually released a number of really strong things. We've yeah. talked this before. Mm-hmm. we were recording. Uh, you could remember a few more that came off of that. Yeah, label.
0: they did. They released a tight skin record. What was that? Advanced techniques for hands and feet. Just yeah, just advanced techniques it. for hands yeah. and feet is
1: an excellent record. And I think
0: it? the first couple of things they did were uh, yeah. Troika, which was the yeah. guy who ran the label when it was his band, Troika. They released a split single with Fyndall Gaskin Errors, amongst other stuff. And of late, Neil's been releasing post rocky and kind of classical, minimalist-style stuff. So it's kind of, he's kind of changed uh, some kind of indie stuff as well. It kind of changed the way that it's been going, and I think that aligns more with his kind of musical taste generally, as he's grown older as well. They had stopped for a bit. I think for the past few years, have been doing more releases again, so it's been good to see that come back.
1: I think um Lato, even today... I mean, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume it's one of the the most revered things that he's worked on, though. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it is very l- beloved mm-hmm. by the people that were into it at the time. I mean, Zwa is such a strong album. Like, it, it came out, and suddenly, out of this glut of post-rock music was this band doing something that married, like, Emo and bits of the Manic Street Preachers and bits of Thin Lizzy and incredible musicianship, which wasn't, in fairness, something that was abundant on the post rock scene you got good players but mm-hmm. you didn't get a lot of great players so you had a band that were really instrumentally gifted and chose to use that rather than be complacent and that I think is in- inherently admirable and also created something that uh, really endured so Zwo's got to be one of the records he's put out that's aged the best yeah I would the Titus
0: Game one was really good as well with Thanks Things for Hands of Feet it's still a good record
1: it is yeah. I, I don't think it was as unprecedented yeah. as the little stuff
0: I mean that little record I hadn't heard it until you mentioned it and it just it floored me. It reminded me of Quicksand quite a lot.
1: But that's a, again because this this is a band that I mean, Robbie I know for a fact was a big fan of bands like Helmet. He was a mm-hmm. big fan of these acts who were around at that time, including bands like Quicksand. Kind of alternate
0: Alt metal, kind of. Most hardcore stuff And those fingerprints Are all over it Definitely
1: It was a feckin' time For Mm. you know Interest in musical styles Mm. And twists on these genres That have been about For a while And these guys Were trying to contribute to that And I think I think they did so You know pretty admirably They actually Not meaning to jump too far ahead But with their third album Which didn't come out Until 2010 Went even further down That kind of Prog metal route Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a tremendous record Zoa has 13 tracks And is a little bit more broken down and subdivided And I think it's a little bit more manageable Because the songs are more bite-sized For late 03, some of them are quite long Very sprawling Undulating quite a bit There are tracks on it Certainly chunks of them I think could have been big singles But they chose to incorporate them into much, much longer bits of music was their creative choice, you know, maybe a A label boss would have been banging their head off a desk just saying, Please cut this down to three and a half minutes mm-hmm. and we can get this in the charts. But that really wasn't Leo's way. They seemed quite comfortable with limiting themselves but staying true to their artistic vision of what they wanted to do. Yeah. And what they what they wanted to do included people I mean Leo were big fans of Shellac, Steve Albany. They didn't want to go down that how much money can we make out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, it was a it was a passion of theirs um, they did actually play with Snow Patrol Because Leto went to university with Snow Patrol yeah. And Snow Patrol were coming together in Dundee I think, th- In fact, I think Robbie and Fraser played in a band with Gary Lightbody Before Leto was even a thing mm. L- I mean, Leto played with them three nights at the Barra's Three sold-out nights at the Barra Lands in Glasgow Which was, you know, one of, maybe one of the best venues in Europe And they said the experience was pretty incredible um, I don't know how much time they actually got to spend backstage Because I think even by that point Snow Patrol were sort of somewhat shielded Mm-hmm. by layers of management but as i understand it the experience itself was was pretty astonishing but that was never the path that they took or that they even tried to take and i think we all benefited from that albeit <laughs> benefited in small numbers because mm-hmm. this this album is uh tragically under-recognized and unsung in that sense I, I did when i was doing a wee bit of research on it i noticed one of the titles was leto the greatest band you've never heard of mm-hmm. and I mean that was Early on in the search results And I couldn't agree more It also got into The the Skinny magazine Like the number one Arts magazine in Scotland They did a Best of The decade For the Between the years 2000 and 2010 And Lito was High up that list In amongst albums With far bigger budgets And albums like Twilight Sad And stuff that we've covered But you know Big records By big bands And there's this little Pioneering Dundee band Marrying all these Styles together Just Doing its own thing And doing it amazingly The album itself I mean You're Vaguely familiar with it now Not as familiar as I'm sure you will be Once you start to revisit it Because it really just grows and grows in terms of quality but I'm going to have to be conservative in the number of great riffs it's got right mm-hmm. so there's there's riffs in there that we're going to discount that we would count for other bands but there's so many great riffs on this record great memorable riffs that you could actually if you're trying to tell someone what song is it you could just sing it to them they're just strewn across 13 tracks on it you may notice there's like a total technophilia mm-hmm. all the way through it uh, Fraser I believe works in video games and okay. video game music something to that effect and the, there's a video game aesthetic all the way through it Even the artwork is the four band members dr- Drawn mm-hmm. in the style of you know Video game characters and the cover is Video game style and the tracks There are names like Arcade Perfect, Electric Boss Winning Streak White Saturn as in Sega Saturn um, So I mean it's, it's full of that stuff So White Saturn comes in first and it's this big Euphoric explosion To, to, to herald the start of the album rather than Sliding in rather than being subtle <laughs> And it did become one of those things, you know, when you put on a record and you get a little rush of familiarity, mm. that opening two chords of, of this album, for me and for people like me that that grew up loving it, it's a smile inducing thing. It really is. It's something that just it just warms your heart a wee bit because you're so it's oh you're putting on Zwa. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um and that's that's followed in contrast by a song called The Contender. and I'd said to you about this song, this song always reminded me of the Manic Street pictures Yeah, the
0: melody's very there's a few records. There's, there's a few melodies on this record vocally which are very James Dean, but I feel desk. I don't know if that's deliberate on Fraser's part, but it's definitely... Definitely sounds like it's come off of a Manix record In a good way
1: Yeah but I think they admired them to some extent Especially kind of early Manix stuff Which I think you, you share mm. an admiration of them don't you And I think the the contender was also proof of the band's ability to songwrite. You know you could you could write an album of great riffs And just have no songs I mean that's Flair <laughs> <laughs> I mean I was, I was trying to choose what metal name to pick there I kind of feel that way about ACDC as well personally But to be able to actually put in quite a touching melody In amongst these kind of big upbeat Uplifting riffs It's it's a nice balance So early on And it's a band That loves a key change as well Oh yeah True true to their metal roots Especially in their third album They love a key change Mm. They love a key change And a tempo change Track three in this Bad Taste Party Is First example of their like killer soft metal type riff. It's, it's soft metal in the sense of like Nelson, but like soft metal in the sense of it's not angry. It's mm. like happy metal. Mm. There's like a happy metal vibe, like power metal. <laughs> no, it's, it's, not even, it's not even as, as know. you know, poh faced as that. It's mm. it's it's just cheerful. It's it's metal but played cheerfully. It's got the, the harmonised parts in it mm. to, to add to that kind of sense of levity A thin Lizzie-esque bit Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean there's any number of those Read the News You Lose I think as well could have been an end track Just because of the way It builds in It was quite quite an iconic song When they played live I mean Lato toured And played a lot um, For a while at least It became sparser Towards the end But to me Just that guitar build up At the start Could have been The start of the end Of the album mm-hmm. Which is not to dismiss The way they did end it But it is very triumphant They used to be referred to In, in the reviews And the press And I think on the You know I mean MySpace maybe or What came before MySpace? Was there any before MySpace? No. It's like the Big Bang? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> What came before that? Um, they used to be referred to as Victory Rock, and I think there's a few things describe them more accurately than Victory Rock because it, it is that organised military precision of metal, but jubilant. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, a really nice way to encapsulate that. There's a track on here, track five, uh, "Who Watches the Watchmen." Now, for people within Glasgow and Scotland, they may remember a fairly seismic compilation that came out is the start of the early two thousands uh, called. Rock mess monsters, mm-hmm. and it grouped together a, a number of bands that were on the scene at the time. Mm-hmm. There was everyone for I think, the DJ Vic Gallows in a band called Huckleberry at the time. Mm-hmm. There was stuff like that. There was Lapsus Linguae, who I'm pretty sure we'll cover in a future episode. There was Leto, there was Macro Cosmica featuring Brendan Aher, uh, of Teenage Fan Club. There were so many bands at that time. Uh, the salvo might have been on that one as well. Rock Mess Monsters was a really, really big coming together and sort of mentally putting down a marker of this is a snapshot of the Scottish scene right now. I mean, this is when CDs were, were the medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, there was no real online presence at that time, and there was a coalescing of the scene around that. That and too many fireworks to their credit. And that record uh, it's still. On a lot of shelves I'd imagine And maybe even a few people Will fish it down If they mm-hmm. hear about it And give it a wee twirl For nostalgic uh, reasons But the little song And that I was surprised Actually they went for Quite a subdued song who, who watches The Watchmen Is quite mellow It does It does pick up a bit But it's a bit more akin To their earlier stuff There's one called uh, "Our City" later on in the album, which again is is back to the slower, more post-rocky, slinty type feel. When they were when they were touring and playing live, two of the most identifiable tracks by Lato were "Winning Streak" and "Arcade Perfect," and they they put them back to back on this, and the two riffs are just superb. There's a bit in "Winning Streak" where the riff, which is quite broken up just kicks through. There's a bit where the guitar just kicks through and he starts playing the bottom strings open and it's just it's as it's as moshable as the band gets hmm. this really catchy catchy bit um And with Arcade Perfect, that was just a a really famous riff at the time. You would sing it to people quite readily. And there's a nice lyric in that as well. All Things Considered, it's just like... It kind of typifies the sort of sense of upbeat resignation they had... Towards the music business, I think Mm -hmm. And towards, (laughs) maybe life in general Mm -hmm. And it's increasingly poignant When you consider that Robbie died quite young But all things considered, it's just luck That might have been what they thought When they looked at bands like Snow Patrol Breaking through, who were a a good band You know, especially early on Fraser from Leto was on um, Their uh, their first album, I think the, The Polar Bears one, Songs for Polar Bears Played guitar on that, I think And maybe that's maybe that's a reflection of that maybe it's nothing to do with it but it certainly seems apt uh, you've got tracks like Electric Boss later on another chunky kind of weird obtuse one that reflected some of their kind of more shellac-y uh, tendencies in their own listening for me personally the standout track in this album and standout track for me in my life to some, to some extent is uh, number 10 Human Is Not Alone I've only got one tattoo and it's the phrase Human Is Not Alone Um At this time It just represented A really good song Mm -hmm. And it is a really Really good song Um, It's an odd time signature It's very distinct Very kind of stuttering But yet Never loses its momentum As it's going I was I was playing that little bit to you earlier on before we recorded as well, where there's a big crashing chord motif, and mm-hmm. Andrew and Fraser kind of holding these sustained uh, harmonised notes. Yeah, it's just it's very ott, but mm. it just is so mm. righteous. It's just it works brilliantly. like that victory rock vibe and little subtle touches like just before that comes in there's a wee bit of feedback swells into it and it's it's a, a beautifully judged and beautifully executed song really well captured again by Robin Sutherland um, at the Grey Lodge I believe up in Dundee at the time but Human Is Not Alone kind of came to represent a bit more than that as well because mm. when Robbie the drummer found out uh, he was terminally ill with cancer he decided to help raise money for Marie Curie Cancer Care and was part of a venture called Human Is Not Alone, which was a compilation as well as a, a series of concerts and all the proceeds from it went to Marie Curie and their, their work helping people with palliative care and late-life mm-hmm. care and helping the families of the people as well. For that compilation, it was pretty astonishing. So Leto's influences and uh, in their personal tastes, and Robbie's especially, were really beautifully condensed into this one uh, collection Robbie and myself as well had, had contacted some bands to explain the project and to ask if they would con- consider contributing. Yeah. And it, it ended up inviting contributions from Figazi. They, they donated a song which they'd actually recorded at the Lemon Tree in Aberdeen because, you know, Figazi have that catalogue yeah, of all yeah. the live shows. So Figazi had recorded a song at the Lemon Tree in Aberdeen uh, with Leto playing that night as well. So it was extra poignant There was a submission From the band Shipping News mm-hmm. Who featured members Of June of 44 And the Shipping News Had just lost Their bass player Jason Also to cancer There was a contribution From Zoo The Italian prog band That did a lot of stuff With Mike Patton So this was a project That attracted a lot of people And a lot of A lot of goodwill And went a long way To raising a lot of money For a, a great cause And I know it meant an awful lot to Robbie At the end of his life It was something that he took great solace in As as hard as it must have been for him to take Getting this diagnosis And how hard done by he must have felt And this is kind of extra poignant In the circumstances of the show obviously Because of Scott, yeah. Scott's young death And you know the Scottish scene has Unfortunately experienced its share of it The boy Gary as well Who, yeah. who died down at the Clyde it went a long way it showed that the music and the, the environment around the music could really help to some extent it couldn't change the circumstances but it could it could provide some form of comfort and that that song is incredibly poignant as a result because in amongst just this you know 4 minutes of great music is all of this emotion yeah and it's a really beautiful thing really beautiful thing um they follow it with like some slightly lighter mm-hmm. <laughs> killer riffs um, Chuck Yeager, who you were telling me is a, a pilot, hero pilot, that yeah. first one to break the sound barrier?
0: Broke the sound barrier in 1947, yeah. First F- man
1: to do it. Yeah, I remember mm. the, the year never in marked. Mm. Brilliant. <laughs> Which, and, and after that is Street Cred, and Street Cred, that solo in Street Cred, where Andrew just lets rip. So superb I'm Sometimes not even, you need to do that I, I'm not even A huge fan Of solos Guitar solos mm. But good god The boy really Gets into it Nails it Yeah And they rounded the album off In, in the end you know, the, the song Victory is Assured Which kind of reminds me A wee bit of the song Woodwork by Kevin At the end of um, Antenna It's this really big Patient Sort of uh, Cinematic Type guitar Really big open chords Makes good use of the space And loads of cymbals And big dramatic crashes and stuff And it's a It is a great way to finish the album A really great way to finish the album There's a really lovely guitar motif That that repeats at the end Mm. I, I mean I think As a record, I don't know if there's been a more consistently strong record from a Scottish band. Certainly not in my lifetime. Um, I do think bands like Idlewild have done some really great recordings. I don't know if they've ever had anything that's better than this, though. As much as I, you know, was very, very close to Robbie, even before I'd met him, when I just knew of these guys as this band, the band Supporting Caven, they were a good couple of steps ahead of most other people at that time. And it, it is a shame that For whatever reason It didn't take on a bigger scale It didn't It doesn't make it less special Though it's a really Really excellent album
0: And both these albums Kev Black was involved in too So
1: Yeah this is the Kev Black show This is the Kev Black show Maybe Kev will be involved In another album soon Perhaps with Fritz From Fat Goth And maybe someone else Maybe Yeah it'd be nice for those guys To get back on the the, Who knows On the horse Who knows the horse is bolted. The horse is called Mark.
0: Ken, drummer, whose whose face is, doesn't grimace doesn't grimace as much when he's playing.
1: I don't want to make horse jokes, but if you remember the show Mister Ed, to get the horse to talk, they used to rub peanut butter in his upper <laughs> upper lip. I don't and remember gums. that show. No. Mister Ed. I mean, I don't remember it either. It was in the 1950s. <laughs> not quite that old. But maybe that's what they did to Mark before the maybe. shows. They rubbed peanut butter on his upper lip, and that's how he's <laughs> away. Sorry, Mark.
0: It's possible. <laughs> I wonder if he's... Does he listen? Do we know if he listens? Probably does listen. I have no he'll idea. Listen, he's listening to this one. I have no idea. But, it, yeah, well,
1: word is bound to get back to him that I just said he chitters like Mr. Ed with peanut butter on yeah, I would say so. <laughs> but he's going to be too far away to hit me.
0: For now. Yeah. Well, we're not going to ask you a vote this week. Just go and check out the records.
1: Yeah. And... Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Um. Hopefully this comes together alright. We... Pretty terrified prior to recording. Um, I
0: think I turned it turned out okay.
1: Yeah. In a nutshell, Dundee, strange place, great tunes. Seen its share of, <laughs> seen its share of the, the darker side of life, mm-hmm. but um, a, a remarkably consistent place for 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 good music. And I'd imagine that will continue because there is still a healthy scene there, especially in the DIY scene. Yeah. It's there's a there's a really strong ethical motivation within the musicians up there to protect and nurture the, the environment they've created and I can only assume that's going to help them keep producing.
0: And I think we'll probably come back to it again, we'll probably come back to Dundee again at some point because there's a lot to say.
1: Yeah, I, there are a number of other really good records and we really skimmed over a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and also can we just say that prior to this recording was possibly the most stressful yet experience (laughs) setting up this equipment yeah we got here at half five it's now seven so um it's half past eight actually well sorry we got here at half five and we didn't start recording until seven mainly because of sellotape and cables um if and microphones and microphones yeah if you are enjoying the podcast it would be so nice if you went to unsungpod.net forward slash donate and Maybe just, if you felt, if you like it like Let's try this, Like if you like an episode Give us a quid
0: Yeah, just do that
1: If you really like an episode, give us two quid mm-hmm. If you think the episode's average or disappointing Don't give us anything Yeah, nobody loses. give us 50 pence <laughs> well, <laughs> If we say something about a member of your family And you can prove it We'll give you 50 pence <laughs> <laughs> I like that, I like that And by the way
0: since we're in this mode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes because we'd really appreciate that. And we've had we had we had an album recently.
1: Did we? Yeah. Should
0: you give him a shout out. We'll give him a shout out. We're margin Walker two two three.
1: S- sounds like a Fugazi fan
0: Does And he thought we were Quite relaxed you? And knowledgeable music chaps So thank you Margin Walker Quite relaxed yeah. <laughs> he wasn't here for that yeah. Hour and a half set yes, up because we, yeah, <laughs> we were really not that relaxed Let's be honest <laughs> like was,
1: It's all front <laughs> I do remember at one point You'd be like I'm just chucking this <laughs> Yeah
0: I, wanted to, I just wanted to Throw myself out the window To be honest <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this
1: Thanks Margin Walker t- yeah. 223 What's it? the 223? Is that relevant or is that just... Just this username uh, and iTunes. If margin Walker, if you can get the other 222 Margin Walkers to also give <laughs> us a good review. <laughs>
0: that would be phenomenal. we will pay each one of them a penny.
1: Yeah, we can afford that. Yeah, we can afford that. <laughs> <laughs> Did have to check.
0: <laughs> I was going to say a pound, but I was like, I don't think we can afford
1: no, that. Actually, definitely can't afford <laughs> yeah, that. Um, certainly can. But yeah, if you, if you like an episode and you'll give us a quid an, an episode... Yeah, you can work it out Establish your own sliding scale (laughs) Love to hear from you Um, But yeah, reviews are a great way to to contribute as well Because it hopefully helps us get the word out And as we mentioned earlier on The live Grunge mixtape Is going ahead as planned 27th of May at the Flying Duck in Glasgow You can buy tickets Unsungpod.net forward slash events And uh, that is going to be smashing Because I've been wading through some of the (laughs) Absolute <laughs> horrific music Draw. from that era recently and I think it's every bit as bad as new metal.
0: Yeah, I mean it has to be right? Yeah. It was just as bad. Albeit, not
1: it, the good stuff is infinitely better but the bad stuff is just as abundant and at times worse. Worse. Yeah.
0: I mean lest, lest we forget bands like
1: Bush. <laughs> oh, you, d- d- People say Bush. Bush aren't, there is so much worse than Bush. Bush is just a Bush is just the name that most readily comes to hand. I mean, I, I, we'll 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 have this this we'll we'll have this argument. (laughs) We'll have it
0: in person. (laughs) There'll be a musical interlude as well. There'll be musical accompaniment. Sorry, and it'll be fun and funny. Funny, fun and funny. I think is the best way of describing it. I don't know. (laughs) Just come, please. It's only two pounds to get in, and it starts at two pm. On the twenty seventh of May. Yeah, me, so. you'll be done by four. I mm-hmm. was a bar there if you need to drink because uh, you might need to drink. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye.